Hi, I'm Sue Elvis from the blog Stories of an Unschooling Family. Welcome to my podcast. This is episode fifteen. Fifteen podcasts. Um, yeah, they're mounting up, and I still feel that I'm really learning how to go about podcasting. Uh, I really need to make a lot of improvements. And one of the things I've been thinking about, just again, is beginnings. Beginnings are really important. I know this from blogging. If I don't capture my reader's interest in the first few sentences of my blog post, I know they'll click off and go somewhere else and won't bother reading the blog post that's taken me an awful, awful long time to write. So I spend a lot of time thinking about my beginnings, wording the, the first few sentences very carefully so that readers will keep on reading. I guess it's the same with podcasts, isn't it? That if you don't like what you're listening to in the first few seconds, a minute maybe, then the listener will go elsewhere looking for something a lot more interesting. So yeah, I'm thinking about that. Beginnings. I read, read a book over the weekend that had a very intriguing beginning. I guess that's a good example. Um, the book is actually called Picnic at Hanging Rock. It's by an Australian author, Joan Lindsay. And the book is about uh, a group of schoolgirls, boarders at Appleby Co- uh, Applegate College, I think it was, who one fine summer's day, it was actually St. Valentine's Day, they go on a picnic to a place called Hanging Rock. And this is the synopsis in the book. It says, In 1900, a class of young women from an exclusive private school go on an excursion to the isolated hanging rock deep in the Australian bush. The excursion ends in tragedy when four girls and a teacher mysteriously vanish after climbing the rock. Only one girl returns with no memory of what has become of the others. I guess like all synopsis, they're trying to capture our interest. But the author has um, included a note of her own right before the first chapter. She says, Whether picnic at Hanging Rock is fact or fiction, my readers must decide for themselves. As the fateful picnic took place in the year 1900, and all the characters who appear in the book are long since dead, it hardly seems important. And I think that Joan Lindsay implants the idea into our heads that her story might actually have happened. It might be fact. A lot of people, after reading this book, have also, have wondered about that. Did three girls and a teacher mysteriously disappear one St. Valentine's Day at Hanging Rock? A Hanging Rock is a real place. So Joan Lindsay used uh, an authentic setting. But I did a bit of research uh, over the weekend after I finished the book. And although a lot of people would like to believe that this story is true, there isn't any evidence for it. it uh, it's just the author, I guess, playing around with her readers. The, uh, there's no evidence that um, she based her story on a real-life mystery case. Now, I really enjoyed the book. The, the author never explains why or where, what happened to the three girls who mysteriously disappeared. I found out that she did write a final chapter. It was actually chapter 18, which she did uh, explain the mystery of her story. But her publisher didn't want to publish that last chapter. They 
said that they were going to remove it before publishing, and that's what they did. They published Picnic at Hanging Rock without the author's final chapter, where she explains what happens to the girls. So the ending's ambiguous, but I think that really works because it's got people talking, and they've been talking for a long time about this book. I read an article by somebody who proposed their own reasons or their own solution to the mystery, and he had gone through the book very carefully, believing that the author did conceal the mystery within the pages of the book. If only we read. Carefully, we will find the answer to the mystery. And he quoted a lot of passages from the book to support his theory. And I rather liked his theory. I thought it made sense.、Uh, yes, it was a sensible solution to the, the the problem of the mystery. But as I was flicking from website to website, I discovered that the author's final chapter. Has actually been published now.、Um, she gave permission for it to be published on her death, and I found a copy of it on the internet and read it. And I didn't like it at all. It's a sort of a fantastical、uh, ending, not one based in reality, but on the supernatural. Or、um, yes, I don't really want to say what it is in case anybody would like to go and read it, but. I didn't like it at all, and I would have been quite happy if the author had never published or never released that for publication, because I liked the way the book ended, just as it was. Which makes me think: Who owns the story?、Uh, the author, you know, she she had her own ideas about Picnic at Hanging Rock and how she wanted to end it, and what actually happened in her story, and. What happens if the reader doesn't like it? I, mean, I was fully disappointed by her ending, and yeah, should authors write so that the、uh, the reader is satisfied? I wonder if I'm the only person who who doesn't like that ending. I did read somebody's opinion that they thought the ending hadn't actually been written by the author; that somebody else had passed that off as the author's. That person obviously didn't want to believe that the or, or that was the true ending of the book. Yeah, I hate it when you read a book and it takes an awful long time, and then you get to the end, and you don't like how it ends. And I think, oh, what a waste of time that was. And I think, oh, I don't want to do that again. But I mean to say, you never know how it's going to end until it's ended. But yes, I was quite happy without that last chapter. I did enjoy the book exactly how it had been published. But yeah, it took me an awful long time to read that book. I remember, oh, when I was at school, Peter Weir he made a movie based on Picnic at Hanging Rock. And it was the, all the talk amongst all my friends. They all wanted to go and see it, and I didn't, for some reason, see it. But it captured all our imaginations. Even without going to see it, I could imagine all these young girls dressed in old-fashioned white dresses on a beautiful Australian summer's day, having a picnic at this mysterious rock. What happened to them? Yes, that big mystery does capture our imaginations. Now I have actually found a trailer to that movie, which I still haven't seen, but I did find it on iTunes, and I I guess I might even buy a copy and have a look and see if it was worth all that、uh, hype years ago when every single one of my friends was going to see it. 
But yes, I have a bit of a trailer, so I might play that. Something new, hey? What we see and what we seem are but a dream. A dream within a dream. You must learn to love someone else apart from me, Sarah. I won't be here much longer. The girl. The boy. The school. The rock. Fragments of a mystery from a summer long ago. Good morning, girls. Good morning, Mrs. Appenella. Well, young ladies, we are indeed fortunate in the weather for our picnic to Hanging Rock. I have instructed Mademoiselle that as the day is likely to be warm, you may remove your gloves once the drag has passed through Wood End. You will partake of luncheon at the picnic grounds near the rock. Once again, let me remind you, the rock itself is extremely dangerous. You are therefore forbidden any tomboy foolishness in the matter of exploration, even on the lower slopes. The music from Picnic at Hanging Rock is no longer available. Well, I don't think it is. I've been looking around trying to buy a copy and I can't find it. But I did find it on Oh My Tracks where you can listen to it online. I think it's also on Groove Shack or at least a couple of the tracks are on Groove Shack if you're interested in listening to more because I think it is a rather beautiful soundtrack. There's a few classic tracks on there, one by Mozart, uh, one by Tchaikovsky as well. I guess after I've watched the movie, that music, the eerie panpipes, might actually become symbolic of the Australian bush, the mystery, in the future. But at the moment, the piece of music that I play in my head when I'm walking through the bush is a piece by Origami Repetica, which is called Mighty Little Bumblebee. And I got found this on Free Music Archive, and I used it as a backing track for a video I made of the girls. Uh, one day we went down to the bush at the end of our road and with the video camera and I made a video of them walking around and playing in the area that we go running. And yeah, I came home, edited the video and put this track, Mighty Little Bumblebee, as the backing track. And yeah, every time I play it, I think of the bush down the end of the road. And the person who composed that piece of music actually discovered it on my blog and came along and left me a couple of comments, which was really rather nice. So here's a little bit of that music, Mighty Little Bumblebee by Origami Repetica.
piece of music and my video are actually on my YouTube channel as well as my blog if you'd like to go and have a look. There's a lot of music on Free Music Archive. If you're making videos or podcasts or just want music to listen to, there's a great deal of choice there. So you might like to go and have a look at that. I regularly go to that site and do a bit of browsing. Now I have plans to read um, a number of Australian uh, classic novels in the future. I actually went to the library on Friday with the girls and I went with a list of books that I want to read and came back with a stack of them. What happened was I went, went looking for a book for my sister-in-law who lives in England and I thought, well, maybe she'd like an Australian novel for Christmas. So I googled uh, famous Australian novels and I ended up on the Booktopia blog and they had a list of 50 must-read um, Australian novels and they composed the list by asking their uh, Twitter and their Facebook readers to nominate their favourite Australian novel. And there's quite a few on there that I've already read, and there's a few there for the younger children too, like oh, The Magic Pudding and Seven Little Australians. But there is quite a few there that I haven't read, like that's where I found A Picnic at Hanging Rock. That's what encouraged me to go and get a copy and read it. But that's not the one I chose for my sister-in-law. I chose for her one called The Shirley by Darcy Nyland, and I've already posted it to her. I don't think that she's going to be listening to my podcast, so I don't think that there's any danger she'll find out what's what she has for Christmas, what's in her Christmas parcel before, I, before she actually gets it. So I think it's quite all right if I tell you about it. Um, I haven't read the book, but I found a copy of it in our library stacks. Uh, that's the books that aren't so popular anymore. They've been moved from the main body of the library and now they're out the back and you have to uh, specially request them from the librarian. And I suspect, suspect that there's an awful lot of treasures in the stacks, a lot of old Australian novels that I'm going to be reading. And yeah, there's uh, I've also got My Brilliant Career by Miles Franklin, which I remember reading at school years ago. I haven't really got much uh, memory of the plot, all I remember well, I think I remember, is that it was a story about a girl who decided that she wasn't going to take up the typical womanly role of her time, and she wanted to be an author, I think, rather than get married and be a wife. I think that's what it's about, but I can't be too sure. Yeah, so I'm gonna looking forward to getting reacquainted with that book. I've got a few others as well, and I might actually pass these on to my girls, my older girls. Uh, Imogen, who's 20, and Charlotte, who's 17, when I finished with them. Yes, yeah, some of them, I guess, are on the uh, school list for reading, or maybe they're not anymore. Maybe that was just of my time, but a lot of them are worth reading. So, yeah, if you'd like to have a look at them, I'm going to work my way through that list. It's on Booktopia. I'll leave a link in the program notes. Now, I didn't uh, mean to talk about books today, especially Picnic of Hanging Rock. I actually recorded this podcast a few days ago on a totally different topic. Imogen had her eighth grade piano exam up in Sydney about two weeks ago. We took uh, a train, or well, a few trains, um, there and back to Sydney, had a big uh, adventurous day in the city. We don't often do that, and we were quite glad to get home at the end of the day. It was quite a stressful day with the exam and all the noise and all the travel. And then a couple of days after that, I said to Imogen, would you like to talk about music with me? 
I we I could interview you for another podcast, and she was agreeable. And I made a list of questions that we could talk about. Now I'm totally unmusical. I must be the only person who's ever been banned from singing as a school child. I wasn't allowed to sing at school. Um, but I have a number of musical children, and I wanted to talk about that. And also the big question, what if your ch child, who is very, very talented, doesn't want to practice his or her instrument? Well, Imogen and I recorded uh, an interview, and we recorded it on my new Zoom audio recorder, which I was telling you about in a previous podcast, and this is how it begins. Hi. I'm Sue Elvis from the blog Stories of an Unschooling Family. Welcome to my podcast. I've got my 20-year-old daughter Imogen with me today and we're going to be talking about music, everything from Gary Glitter to Polonk. And before I start, well before we start, uh, we must tell you that we're out on location, aren't we Imogen? We are. Yes, we've got Brave here, we've got my new Zoom voice audio recorder. Uh, we've been up to our village and Imogen bought us coffee. I think I've got a cake over there as well. And now we're sitting in our park down the end of our road. Not very exotic maybe, but we thought we'd try something new today. So we're sitting here with the coffee, with each other, sitting in the shade of a picnic table. And we're going to be talking about music and we hope this is going to be interesting. So Imogen and I sat and we had a really interesting talk about music and I came home and I transferred the file from my Zoom into my computer and, and listened to it and I was very disappointed because there was a lot of high wind noise which was distorting our voices. So I decided not to use it after all. I did try using uh, this windsock as accessory around the Zoom but obviously it couldn't cope with the wind of that particular day. It was a bit too strong. So I don't know if I'll record that podcast again. It depends whether anybody is interested in the topic. But yeah, I might give it a go. This podcast seems to be turning into one about books and music. Yeah, so I'm going to put all the links to the various music, the books, the book list, uh, videos and things into my program notes for this week. And I hope that you'll be able to find them because I had a bit of a problem last week. I don't know if anybody else has ever suffered a blogging burnout. That's what I assume that I suffered from last week because I had enough of blogging last week. I really didn't want to ever write another blog post or answer a comment or write a comment. I just wanted to retreat away from the in internet and keep my life very private and well, what did I do? I went and deleted my unschooling blog. It only took a second. I just reached out with my mouse and I clicked delete blog. A few days later, I thought, well, that was a bit impulsive. And I regretted my action and I went and undeleted my blog. And that was okay. It came back. But it took me a while to realize that it didn't come back at its correct address. I have a domain name for my unschooling blog. And it wasn't showing up at that domain name address. It's gone back to its original blogspot address. So instead of being at storiesofanunschoolingfamily.com, it is now at storiesunschoolingfamily.blogspot.com. And I guess not many people are actually finding it because not a lot of people have visited me in the last few days. I suppose they're wondering what, what has gone wrong. So... 
I haven't been able to fix that problem yet. I've uh, contacted Google Help and they sent me a long list of instructions about how to verify my domain name so that I can get my address back. But there's, yeah, as I said, a number of steps and I haven't actually worked my way through them all yet. I guess I will and I hope I'll be successful and that my blog will go back to where it's supposed to be. But in the meantime, it's at the Blogspot address. And so I'd just like to say, if you ever feel that you're suffering from blogging burnout, um, perhaps it might be better to make your blog private rather than delete it altogether. And I, because I really wish I had done that, that would have been so much easier in the long run. There's just one more thing to mention before I finish my podcast, and that is iTunes. If you'd like to subscribe to my podcasts, which I'm still in an experimental stage, but uh, I hope that uh, you will follow along, you, may, you, can, you can go to iTunes and subscribe. I'd just like to thank anybody that got through my fumbled beginning and continued all the way through to the end of my podcast for listening today. It's very kind of you. And I'll be back shortly with another podcast. Thank you.